Hello, this is Scott Gordon, head coach for the Philadelphia Flyers. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to... You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Snow the Goalie. Welcome back into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the people's podcast, the players podcast, the personnel podcast, the post-mortem podcast. And while the Flyers haven't... Wait! Wait! It's not post-mortem yet, Russ! Yeah, it is. (laughs) Listen, you could... I I don't even have a good analogy, all right? Like, we're... (laughs) This is Fredo, man. This is Fredo bleeding out. You know, you don't need to show the end. No. This is this is Brienne no. of Tarth standing over Stannis Baratheon, and he says, "Do your duty." Like we're there. All right, we don't need to see his head get lobbed off. We know what's happening. It's over. <laughs> you know, try not to dance on the grave. I know that for a long time you've been saying it's never going to happen, and and I have been the eternal optimist, but it is over. It's all over. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, technically, I, I, I said that, but <clears throat> we could be at a point, Russ, where it um, it is over by the time people listen. We are recording this Thursday before uh, the Montreal-Columbus game. Um, so if Montreal wins that game, then the Flyers are officially eliminated. So I guess technically I, you could be right and I could be wrong in the sense that by the time uh, our loyal listeners of Snow the Goalie tune into this episode it could officially be over so the yeah, then but maybe we can make this a postmortem it's like where do we even go from here i mean i feel a- like am i being too snarky no no i don't think you are i just you know i think the reality of it has finally sunk in and i think it's sad you know i i think that uh you know a, a second half that that quite frankly we didn't see coming a, a you know one that that was really the i think one of the most fun times to be a flyers fan in the last god what, six years? I mean, honestly, when's the last time that the Flyers went on a run like they went on where they really captured the imagination of the area? And so much so that you could look at the standings and say it is a mathematical improbability that they'll make the postseason, but people still bought in. Like, we saw that place filling up. We heard a loud Wells Fargo Center more so than we had, obviously, in the first half of the season. And, you know, for a season that started with Gritty being the number one topic, you know, we finished off the season talking about, you know, a lot of the best things that, that the Flyers, you know, young players especially, you know, had kind of turned a corner. It feels like, you know, I guess if we're going to do a postmortem, there are a lot of things that we can take away as positives. But I think I'm just kind of feeling a little bit down now. You know, I, I was riding that emotional high. And now the realization that we're not going to see postseason hockey in this city. You know, I think it, it's a bummer, although they would have gotten, you know, absolutely decimated in the first round by Tampa Bay. But that notwithstanding, like, you know. It's a bummer to, to know that your team's not going to make the playoffs, I think. See, what you need to do is you need to start to, you know, you know take cues from me. Um, this way you don't put yourself into this position where you're disappointed. <laughs> so if I have low expectations or no expectations at all, I can never be disappointed. Got it. That seems like a good way to live life. No, well, it's, like- not, it's not low expectations or no expectations. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm just asking you to be realistic. That's all. Just live in, live in a world of realism as opposed to fantasy land. 
yeah, it was nice to think that the Flyers could be competitive and good for them that they got back into the race. But we knew from the beginning, from long ago, it was just too big of a gap to overcome. It had never been done before. And there's a reason it had never been done before. So, you know, you just take that kind of approach, um, you know, into it. And then you have the, you, you, you say, well, it's probably not going to happen. It's really not going to happen. And then if it does and you're wrong, you're pleasantly surprised. It's like, hey, you know what? Good. Good that I'm wrong. But then you don't feel you don't have that letdown like you're having right now, Russ. I try not to let myself get too high and too low. I think with the Sixers for a long time, I got myself, you know, worked up in a frenzy. And then I just kind of started taking a little bit more of a neutral stance on it where it's like, look, I, I think things are going to be fine. I'll get emotionally invested when the postseason rolls around. And I think this Flyers team, I think it's just because of knowing where they started out and where they ended up getting to. And, you know, when I when I talk to people who don't really follow the Flyers and they say, all right, well, the team didn't make the playoffs. Is that a disappointment? And you talk about, you know, before the season, if we had sat here and said the Flyers are going to miss the postseason by, what, eight points, ten points, all depends, maybe six by the time it's all said and done, would that have been a disappointment? And I would have said, yeah, sure. Of course it would have been. I mean, think about what this team was coming into this season. The goaltending situation was still a little bit of a mess. Uh, you knew you were going to come into the year with a tandem of Brian Elliott and Michael Neuver. We knew at least one of them was going to get hurt. We knew that Brian Elliott was coming off of core muscle surgery. We knew that that could be an issue, but we did know that there was a possibility that we'd start to see some of these young defensemen, including the likes of a, a Travis Sanheim, perhaps at some point, a Phil Myers, if if things kind of worked themselves out. Um, and in a couple of ways, we were, you know, I think excited to see if Ivan Provorov would take the next step. We were excited to see if Shane Gostisbehere was going to take the next step um, and, and build off of another good season. And, you know, I think from my vantage point, I wanted to see if we were going to see Nolan Patrick take that, that next step to become a legitimate 2C, or could he work himself up to being a 1C? The Flyers went out and spent $35 million over five years for James Van Riemsdyk, James Van Riemsdyk services. And, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, he could be a 30-goal scorer. Depends on how Dave Haxtell, you know, utilizes him. But this should have been a playoff team, right, going into the season. And so now when you tell somebody who didn't follow the team, like, no, they missed the playoffs, you know, many would say, is that a, a failure? And from where I'm sitting, yes. Like, from the beginning of the season, it's a failure. But when you take into consideration where they were midway through the season, I don't think this is a failure at all. As a matter of fact, I think that it ends up being a success because now you know what you have in a lot of these young players and, and even from the vets, JVR especially, you saw him do practically nothing the first half of the season, and now he, he's on pace after missing, what was it, 16 games this season? He's on pace to, to potentially get to 30 goals on the season. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that's a, a real optimistic way of looking at it, Russ. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you there. Um, but the, the negative, you know, and leave it to me to, to breach the negative. The negative is, is that, this team is no closer to being what they need to be today than they were when Ron Hextall took over as general manager in 2014. And that, that to me, is where the disappointment lies. Does that mean that, you know, there's not anything to look forward to? Certainly there's stuff to look forward to. Certainly the, there's young players who have come along here, and you can sit there and say, okay, yeah, they're, they're going to have a bunch of guys who are going to be better, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and, you know, they're positioned well for the next couple of years. I get that, certainly, okay? But the fact, the fact is, is that I'm not the kind of person, I'm not the kind of sports enthusiast who is comfortable with giving up portions of decades to get to where you need to go. 
I just I'm not. And while you know different teams have taken different approaches in this town, um, you know the Phillies took a long, long, longer approach than they probably should have. The Sixers did the whole process thing, neither of which I was I was happy with. Um, and now they're getting back toward uh, respectability, and and you know the Sixers are one of the best teams in the East. The Phillies, there's a lot of excitement for them. Um, I I would much rather take the approach that I think that the Eagles kind of took. And you know they had one or two bad years and said, you know this isn't going to work. Let's let's turn this damn thing around. And they did, and they won a Super Bowl by doing it. Now, granted, it was a little bit of a you know, salary cap is easier to manipulate in football. It is, though, it, it know, is, and it was, it, you know, no, it absolutely money. is. There you are, know, th- there, that's there are, an easier sport to turn it around. There especially are, but, well, you know. no, I just I see, but I disagree with when you say it's easier to turn it around in football than it is to turn it around in hockey. I I disagree because it really comes down to in football you need a franchise quarterback, and the Eagles won their Super Bowl on the strength of a great season from their franchise quarterback, but they won it with a backup. With a okay? backup quarterback. Okay, so the, 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 Eagles, the Eagles did it a little bit differently than, than you should. So, I mean, you could sit there and say all you want that, you know, it's easier to turn it around. And while, you know, it's easier to manipulate the cap, yes, you still need that specific great player to make it happen. Hockey is not a sport where you necessarily need a great player to win. There have been a number of teams that have been very successful in the sport that were great teams, had some good players. Obviously, you need good players. Nobody's winning with mediocrity. Um, but you don't need a great player. You don't need a game cha- a, a, you know, game-defining player to win a championship. Um, it, it, it's happened you know, in a lot of places. I'll tell you right now that I think that the, that, that the Flyers can put a team together over the course of the next two to three years, that they can compete for a championship. And are you going to sit there and tell me that Claude Giroux is a game-defining player? He's a very good player. I think he's top 20 player in the league, but I'm not, he's not you know, a generational guy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, and so the point is, is it, it, hockey does offer an opportunity, although there is a salary cap, the way teams are constructed, um, you can turn it around quicker because it's such a team-oriented game. There's so much more to it. It's not an individual sport. So you need players who you need, you know, players who are making little bit of you know not a lot of money to be difference makers in a sense. I mean, in, in a team sport, you know, you need that third and fourth line. You need your third pair defense to be solid and responsible. So you need those things. And, you know, in 2014, the Flyers were as close to where they need to be as they are right now. And so, to me, giving up the past five years, you could say, you could say seven because that's the last time they won a playoff series. But really, because it was, a, it was a, a, a change in management, to give up the last five years, to be right where you were five years ago, that to me is a failure. And, and, and so you, t- you could look at it in the microcosm of one season. Is this a success or a failure in this season? And you, you, could, you could certainly be positive like you were because you were, you're not wrong. Everything that you said was absolutely correct. But to me, it's an organizational failure because you're, here, you're back to where you were five years ago. Yes, the future looks a little bit brighter than it did five years ago, but here we are five years later in the same place, and that's an organizational failure, and that's why I don't look at this as any sort of success. So I've got to take the. I have to take you to task on two things. Um, don't let me forget. I we have to talk about the 2014 team. But when you say that a Stanley Cup champion doesn't need to have a great player on it, um, I, I I don't think I can disagree with you any more than I do. I mean, you look back at the last few Stanley Cup winners: Washington, 2018; Alexander Ovechkin, 17 and 16; Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, 
2015, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, right? Like I'm not, I'm not missing anything here. LA the okay, year well, before, LA, LA the year before, Anze Kopitar, yeah, but Drew Dowdy, yeah, but what, Mike Richards, yeah, but wait Jeff Carter. Wait a second, wait a second, hold what? on. Go, go back to LA's first year that they won the cup. They were the number eight seed. They didn't have, none of well, those guys. I didn't guys go back to 2012. I'm just, I just, well, I, I'm merely going back to 2014. I can go back to 2013. Okay. But okay, the, go ahead. The fact, the fact is that Chicago and Pittsburgh had those players and, you know, and they basically were alternating. I mean, in there, Chicago won three times, Pittsburgh won twice, L.A. won twice, and by the second time L.A. won, everybody realized, oh, geez, look how good this team actually really is. But it was a good team, and there's no one player on that team who on L.A. won the MVP, won the Hart Trophy, who won MVP, won the Vezina. Like, it, you know, it didn't happen. You know, they had, they have good players. Again, I'm not telling you you can win without good players. Sure, you need a, you know, Kopitar is a two-way player. Kopitar is Sean Couturier. So you have, you want to say, you want to say you won a Stanley Cup with Anze Kopitar, I can say, well, then you go win a Stanley Cup with Sean Couturier. Same player. See what I'm saying? So you don't really need that superstar to win if you have a great team around them. You know, Dowdy, yeah, he's great, very good defenseman. Uh, you know, he's won the Nars Trophy a couple times. I, all right, fine. Maybe that's their best player. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if the Flyers have that yet. I, th- I think that they could eventually have a player like that with, with the three defensemen that they have in this organization that are playing right now that are going to be a, a part of the future for them. But beyond that, it was just, where, you know, who was Jake Muzzin when L.A. won? Nobody, nobody knew who the guy was, but he was a heck of a player, right? Yeah, that part's fair. Like, yeah, I mean, you have a, they had a to, lot of those like, guys. I would even go back to, like, 2011. Like, look at Boston. Are we not going to make the case that, like, Patrice Bergeron, Lucic, Krejci, Chara, Tim Thomas? Like, I get what you're saying, that, that it might not be an MVP. But, like, Again. We're, we're, we're talking about yes. that, that next tier of player. And so this kind of, I think, comes back to that, that argument that you're making about the 2014 team versus this team and them not being but any, I think, any closer. And I, I, think, I think you're flat out wrong. Because no, look, you, have those it, tier, you have those tiers of players right now with this team. I think you, you have do. them. No, 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 but I think they're in much better shape to have those guys now than they did in 2014. What I'm saying is, is you have you, you say go back to 2011, and you look at the Boston players, and you say, oh, Bergeron, Krejci, Chara, Thomas. I I will sit here and tell you that those, the with maybe the exception of Chara versus you know what the Flyers have on defense now, although it's a different game um, uh, that's being played today. But that the Flyers have those same players, if not better players. You want to say Bergeron, I give you Katuria. You want to say Krejci, I tell you Claude Giroux is better than David Krejci any day. And you add in a Jake Voracek, who's better than anybody that they had as the, as the second scoring winger uh, on that team. Okay, maybe there is no char here, but tell me, would you rather have Tim Thomas or, or Carter Hart? I'd rather have Carter Hart. And this team isn't making a playoff. So, what, so, the, so what's the difference between that Boston team that won that Stanley Cup and this Flyers team that's not making the playoffs? The rest of the team, which is the guys who are not the big names, the guys that make up you know, the, the, the meat and potatoes of the roster. And that's where this Flyers team lacks. And that's where championship teams are won. That's how they get, they're constructed really well beyond your top four or five players. And that's what's missing from this Flyers team. And that's what you go back to 2014, you had four or five players that were good players, but that didn't mean that the rest of the team was good. And that's where the, yeah, that's mean, where well, this that's team what, is lacking. Well, that's what I don't understand because you keep saying that this team is no closer to, to being successful or winning than that 2014 team was. Well, who were the top players on that 2014 team? It was Claude Giroux. Yeah. Uh, 
Jake Voracek, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Wayne, 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 Simmons. Wayne Simmons. Okay. You were hoping that Braden Chen was going to take a step? Well, uh, but my point I, is... My like, point, who am I missing? My point is... This team, this team now is in better position going forward than that 2014 team was. Because most of... I mean... Why? What... What do you mean? Why? Because it's not just for Only this year. It's it's for the next. Because most of your key players that are going to be the key players on what you hope is going to be a sustained run of success in this league is young. When you look back at that 2014 team, you've got guys, many guys in their late 20s, early and mid 30s, and those guys. I mean, like, I I feel like we're speaking a different language on this one. I mean, no, we're not sh- speaking a different language. We're not speaking a different language. The difference here, right? The difference between this team and that team is you have a goalie. And, and and you sit there and say, okay, well, our defense is much younger than that team was. Okay, great, that's good, and that's why, and that's so. Maybe if we're going to sit here and say, yeah, but I mean, you're Steve's excited for the like, future. You're excited for the future. You're, saying, you're, saying you're excited for the future. No, 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 no. You're excited for the future of this team because you have what you think to be um, a long-term answer and goal. And you have three young defensemen who are coming into their own. Um, you know, we know what Provorov can be. We saw it in previous seasons, although he had a down, a, a, went took a step back this year. Not completely. I mean, it was worse early. He's he got took, better. He since. took two steps back and one and one forward. One one forward. Right. That's fair. Um, and then Travis Sanheim was. You know, he's the breakout. Right. He he's the guy that had the really good year. And you hope Phil Myers takes that step next year, right, in that regard. So, I mean, so that's what you have on defense. You say, okay, well, I'm excited about that. But what are you, what are you excited about otherwise? What, like, what for, like, what young forward are you sitting there saying, oh, this, this guy's going to be great? You know, we remember when, when Hextall first came in and they brought in Goss Despair and, and he had that great, you know, three-quarters of a season. He was going to be the next great player. Now, all of a sudden, here we are four years later talking about trading the guy because he's not good. And, and it's because everybody bought into that. And so you really can't buy into a young player and assume that that's what's going to be. I mean, really, we can't even buy into Carter Hart. I mean, I, I think he's going to be a star goalie. I really do. But you, even, even with that said, we can't completely buy into it because we haven't seen it over the course of a full year. We haven't seen Phil Myers beyond just, you know, okay, he's had a few nice games. He's also had a few mistakes. That, you know, are they going to keep rearing their head every time out next year? We're going to keep saying the same thing over and over again. Who knows? You know, we, we think Sanheim took a real big step this year, and he has. He's been very good. But even by his own admission, which I wrote about today, he told Bill Meltzer five of the last six games he's been terrible prior to last night. And, and, and you know, if, if by own, his own admission he's saying that, you know, nobody wants to criticize him because he's the golden boy for the fan base in town because he's an offensive-minded guy. They, everybody thinks, you know, his, his metrics are great and blah, 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 blah. And so that's why we can't criticize him. But the fact remains is that he was not playing well for a short period of time. Now, a year ago, that would have, been, that would have impacted him negatively. But now he's got the, you know, he's starting to understand how you get through it. You know, everybody's going to go through these slumps. How do you get better? And he's doing that. And so that's good. But you really don't know. I mean, for us to sit here and say, well, we th- yeah, this team's going to be good because of these players. Who, who are the forwards? I'll tell you right now that I think Travis Konechny, who I like a lot and I think it, it fits nicely in this team, might not be here next year. And if and you know, if they trade him, you know what they're trading him for? A guy in his 20s or 30s who's a little bit more established and can play the position a little bit better. And so to sit there and say that that's a, that's a reason why that they're not in a better position now than they were 2014, when in fact that's, what you're, that's, that's what's missing from this team is that mid-level experienced player to make this team better. It's too young, this team. And, and we're not certain that the youth is going to serve. 
You got really upset. That was an I'm not upset. That was an impassioned uh, plea for sanity. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that felt like. That almost felt like a cry for help. It's yeah, like, oh, thanks. It's a cry man, for help. It's exactly man, what it is. Man yells at clouds for being too young. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I can't wrap my head around this at all. I really can't. The, the only thing that I think holds any kind of water, I mean, now you said they, they finally have a goalie compared to that 2014 team. I would be remiss if I didn't point out the fact that Steve Mason in 51 games had a better save percentage than Carter Hart did this year. Granted, Steve Mason was not a 20-year-old goalie, but it wasn't like they didn't have any goalie who could do a good job that season. Um, I, you ask what's different about that 2014 team versus this team, and I think a lot of it has to do with coaching, doesn't it? It's not like Claude Julien is like the, the be-all, end-all of coaches. It's not like he's this... It's not like he's uh, Joel Quenville or he's Daryl Sutter, right? Like it's, I, I get it. But Dave Haxtall and the way that he coached the, the beginning of this season and some of the personnel decisions that he made early on in the season continue to rear their ugly heads. You got no consistent goaltending. I'll allow you that until Carter Hart came up. But there was such a void of sound coaching principle of – players playing f- with any kind of passion for their coach or for one another so much so that I really genuinely felt when we walked into the locker room the first half of the season that it was a fractured group they make a coaching change and after what two weeks of Gordon finally having time to actually begin to implement things within his system with his players all of a sudden this group of of guys that seemed apathetic and also just completely at a, a, a loss for any kind of um, explanation of why things had gone wrong. Now, all of a sudden, you had a very confident group who were fighting for one another on and off the ice. And so, you know, I, I don't think anything, you know, maybe makes a, a better case of the off ice than, you know, Flyers leadership going to Chuck Fletcher and, and saying they wanted Wayne Simmons to stay here past the deadline. They wanted to finish this thing off together. I, I, I don't know, man. I look at this and I say, all right, yes, there there is certainly a reason to be concerned about young forwards on the team. Like Travis Konechny's lack of scoring has been a concern. Nolan Patrick's inability, um, you know, through, I would say, the first half of the season, maybe we even get almost three quarters of the way through the season, to be a guy who can establish himself as the second-line center and be a second-line center who might not put up the goals, but but is certainly doing a better job of getting his teammates involved. I think that is concerning. Now, if we were going to talk, and, and you and I talked about this last night after the game, if you go into next season and, and the idea here is to really get Nolan Patrick started, you know, maybe it is something where he ends up becoming the 1C and he's got Claude Giroux on one side and, and insert, you know, a, a free agent wing on the other side. And that's just the way that they're going to roll to start next year. I mean, I think Nolan Patrick is a good player. I think Nolan Patrick has the potential that um, if he is surrounded by good players, he will continue to develop. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that Sean Couturier was going to be a 30-plus goal scoring two-way forward even when he came into the league as a teenager. So, you know, that didn't just happen because he, you know, willed a, uh, you know, a couple of of fourth-line scrubs to become like, you know, the team's most useful line. I do think that Sean Couturier, by nature of him being a two-way forward, proved to be more valuable than Nolan Patrick really is right now because Patrick is more of a, you know, an offensive guy. He he doesn't track back well defensively for the most part unless somebody, like, really gives him a thump and now all of a sudden he's got a fire burning in his stomach. But 
you know, I, I get it if, if the idea here is we can be somewhat comfortable in the development of the young defensive core. We can be confident in Carter Hart, and maybe we're skeptical of what the wings look like. But again, that's why I then come to you've got all this cap space coming up. Now, granted, after the Flyers go and, and sign a bunch of their own restricted free agents, presumably to, to somewhat conservative numbers, that includes, uh, what is it? It's Phil Myers, Travis Sandheim, Travis Konechny, uh, who am I missing? Next year they have Nolan Patrick and Robert Haig. This year they'll they'll have to, or they probably will, re-sign uh, Ryan Hartman and Ta- and uh, Cam Talbot. I think they're going to have roughly thirteen million dollars left. Did I say San- I said Sandheim and Connecting? I'm trying to remember. There's one other guy I'm missing. They'll probably have about thirteen million in cap space. That's a lot of money to go out and still be able to go out and get a top line wing if you chose to. That could be money that you could spend on a defenseman if you choose to. Although I think the Flyers would be making a mistake if they go and invest a ton of capital into a defenseman. I think this team is at least one, if not two, two top six forwards that can put up consistent points away from being a legit contender. Maybe that's where we need to steer this to is what they can do going forward. But I, I get it. I get the, the reservation about believing in, in the young forwards. I get that. And I, I share that with you. You've left me with a lot to unpack there, Russ, because you are you're 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 a classic uh, talk a lot about um, <laughs> a lot a lot about a di- about a lot of different things at once. Uh, <laughs> so so let me break this down uh, one step at a time. First, you talk about the coaching, okay? Um, and well, you, it, it, I hate doing this because you know how much I like Scott Gordon, okay? But I'm, I'm going to have to sit here and tell you that the difference between what it was in 2014 and where the Flyers are right now is no different. Because that's when you know they brought in Dave Haxtall. We didn't know anything about Dave Haxtall. We, didn't, we had no idea if he was going to be successful or not at that point. Um, obviously, it turned out that it, he wasn't. But uh, going in at that point, you, you didn't know. Um, right now, we don't know who the coach is going to be next year. I think Scott Gordon deserves a chance. Um, there are people who will argue with me and say no, because if you look at the Flyers' underlining metrics, that they haven't even improved under him, that the only difference right now between what they, where they were earlier in the season and where they are now is better goaltending. And, and you know, there's an, there's an argument to be made for that, but I still think, you know, I think Gordon's a, a, a good coach, and I would like to see him get a chance. But they're going to go hot pursuit of, of Joel Quenville. Whether he decides to come here or go to another team remains to be seen. So that, that's, that's another thing I don't see difference between where they were five years ago and where they are today as far as um, looking ahead um, yeah they're going to have about you know 13 million is a a fair number but I I don't want to get caught up in that number I don't want to get caught up and that's all that they're going to have this team is going to be aggressive in the offseason aggressive like the Phillies were this offseason and they're going to make changes and they're not just going to go after free agents they're going to trade guys there's going to be guys on this team who are moved between Today, or well, not today, but between the end of the season uh, and July one, there's going to be there's going to be trades that are made. Um, I think June is going to be a very active month for Chuck Fletcher, uh, whether it's moving guys for uh, another player or for draft picks or moving draft picks for a player. They're going to bring guys in here and they're going to jerry rig this cap uh, in a in a way so, so that they are a better team next year and they're a deeper team next year. That's the difference. In, in the grand scheme of things, this comes down to your, uh, your depth wingers and you're your adding another veteran defenseman uh, to this group because they need one. Um, Radko Gudis, as nice of a season as he's had, and he's kind of tailed off a little bit here in the last few weeks, but uh, had a pretty strong season until then. Safe For as good as a season. His best as a flyer, yeah. 
Yeah, I, th- I, I think, think it was his I best so. season. It was also his his best job of keeping his head, keeping keeping a cool head this season. Yeah, did, I, I agree. Maybe, uh, what, one one suspension aside, but like for the most part, I thought he did a good job, and he's been one of the more uh, vocal leaders, I would say, on the team, um, and and one of the guys that they know they can rely on um, in in times of needing a big hit or or needing somebody who can you know provide yes. a, a spark. So, but the, you know, that that's that said, he can't. That said, he can't be the only veteran guy on on that defensive line. He can't. He he he's got. It. They need they need more than him. So they need another veteran guy. Who that veteran guy is, we'll see. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure at this point. Um, I wrote uh, for the story earlier today, this morning that I put out that it was um, uh, you know that they're going to look at Eric Carlson, and they very well might look at Eric Carlson. Um, uh, I also talked about. Um, the potential for if you, I know you wrote a story about going after restricted free agents, and I know you're you're in love with Mitch Marner and Braden Point, but I don't necessarily think those are the kinds of guys that they will go after. I think they're, they're going to go after secondary guys in the restricted free agency market. I agree with you that that's going to be something that they do, but I don't think it's going to be uh, the, the guys at the top. I, I think it's going to be a guy like you know, we talked about Kasperi Kapanen, but I also think it may be a Jacob Truba um, with Winnipeg because they have Patrick Laine, who's also a restricted free agent. They're probably only going to be able to keep one of them so line a is the bigger name bigger star you know maybe they keep him and maybe troop is a guy that would sign a, uh, an offer sheet and then leave to come to philadelphia um so i, I look at, at that as a possibility I, i'd also heard talk that you know they like jared spurgeon he's got one year left on his deal uh, in minnesota guy that was brought in there by chuck fletcher chuck likes him a lot now you would have to trade for him but you know maybe there's something that chuck could could put together for the wild uh, with young players and picks that would make that char- that make that ex- exchange. So, like, I think there's a lot more that's happening with this team this off season, and I think that there's guys on this roster who are going to be traded. And I think Shane Gossis bears at the top of the list. I think Patrick Konechny or Patrick Konechny, Travis Konechny is a possibility uh, in there as well. And you know, the question becomes: Do they just add wingers and and give Nolan Patrick that chance to to be a top line center? Or do they sit there and say he he needs another year, kind of being in you know in the shadows of other people, make him still the third line guy, <clears throat> and you just get, and you go get two wingers instead of a winger and a center. So before you, know, you go on, like I, I feel like the the problem with Nolan Patrick, to be honest, like I I think if he ends up being a third set, uh, like a three C on this team, I don't I don't think he is the kind of player who's going to be able to elevate that third line. Like I would be more concerned, and and maybe this is a just a flaw of him in his game, but like. I don't see a, a scenario where he he plays so lights out and elevates the play of his wingers to a point where you decide that you're going to continue to move him up the lineup. I feel like he's a guy who can play on a top line or on a second line with very good wingers and and play competent hockey and maybe even play above average, but I don't think he's the kind of transcendent talent that's going to you know, raise the profile of a third line where you're where you're thinking like, man, I can't believe we had this guy blocked for all these years. I just haven't seen that yet. I think part of that is the fire that I feel like, you know, we haven't seen from him. So I get what you're saying. But I, you know, I think if, if the idea here is to go out and get another center, you know, I think you're just going to lose Nolan Patrick. I don't, I don't think he's going to outplay anybody ahead of him. That's just my thought. Well, and, I mean, and, and that's speaking f- about wingers, like I, I would say, if that is the, the idea that I think Kludger is going back to center. You know, be. like because I think because you have such a, a great group of wings that could be impact players available in free agency and in the trade market, then why wouldn't you just go to having Claude Giroux back at center, Sean Couturier back at center, have Nolan Patrick as the 3C, and go out and get guys who can legitimately score from the wings? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. And that, that's that a, seems to be the path of least resistance. That's a it's a, certainly a path that works. I, I don't I don't see that as a, as a bad idea, um, and especially because you sit there and say like you know if you look at what Nolan Patrick's numbers are right now and compare them with Sean Couturier was at, at nineteen and twenty years old, and I'm not saying he's Sean Couturier because he's not as good defensively as Couturier was. Even he's not as good as Couturier was defensively at. 18 um but uh but if you do the offensive comparison they're pretty close they're pretty similar and and so you know you sit there and say well now you look at Couturier he's scoring 30 goals a year he's getting in points in the 70s you know maybe even has a shot you know a long, you know, an outside shot at 80 at some point down the road here um you know if Nolan Patrick can develop into that offensive kind of center that puts up 75 80 points in a season then okay, great. So then maybe you put Giroux back at center for a season and two at the most, and then shift him back out to the wing again. Um, and when when Patrick's ready to kind of break out, um, everybody kind of forgets that he's as young as he is. And 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 so like you know, I I'm disappointed by some things in Nolan Patrick by watching him, but at the same time, I accept the fact that he's 20 years old, and and needs to kind of grow up a little bit. Um, and and that's part of the process here, and so that so I get that. Um, so I, it really becomes a determination that Chuck Fletcher and and his team and staff have to make. You know, do you do you trust that he will take that next step next year? And if not, are you better off just going out, putting Giroux back at center, and going out and getting wingers? I think that that might be what they do. I think they might try and get two wingers and a defenseman, maybe two defensemen, and there's the, there's going to be four changes. In the roster, I don't look at. I don't think that there's anybody in the system right now as good as the Flyer system is. It's a young system, and I don't think that there's really anybody in the system who you sit there and go, "Oh yeah, making the team next year coming into camp." I, I don't see it. I don't see anybody down in the Phantoms that does that. I know you got um, you know Farabee signing his entry level contract. I don't think he's anywhere close to ready for the NHL. He's going to need a season in the A. I think Morgan Frost is going to need a season in the A. Um, I kind of think that they were hoping that uh, Hermann Rupsov would have had that kind of year this year in the AHL so that maybe he would have made the push next year, but then he got hurt five games into the season, so it was a lost season for him. So he's going to need another, at least another half a year, if not a little bit longer, playing in the American Hockey League. So there's really not that guy that's ready to come up and be a top six kind of four, even top nine kind of forward um, in your system for next year. So that's got to be their targets. So they're going to go after top nine, two top nine forwards, a veteran defenseman to play in your top four, and then maybe a depth defenseman like a, a six. And I think that that's kind of like what you're looking at. So that those are the four things that the Flyers are going to do in the offseason, and they're going to have to, in order to get the, what they need, they're going to have to get rid of some salary because $13 million won't cut it. Um, they're going to have to get rid of a couple of players. And so that's why I identified at least Gostas Bear for sure, who I think is going to go. Um, and while I, I would have tr- I would try anything I could to keep Konechny and, and maybe move somebody else, I understand why he's a guy that you could trade because it, he is value, whereas other players with the contracts that they have might not be as valuable, like a JVR. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's where it's going to be. And I think it's, I mean, I think you're looking at that as, as the off season and it's really going to be, I'll tell you, we're going to have a lot of fun in June because I think, you know, you say, well, gee, you know, Hawk doing a hockey podcast between April and, and September is kind of rough. I and mean, we saw it last summer. We, you know, we took a few weeks off in between like, oh, geez, we have nothing to talk about. I think that this team is going to give us a lot to talk about this summer. Um, and we'll be able to keep doing this with regularity. No, I, I think so too, and that is our goal. And you know, we might have a couple things up our sleeve coming uh, coming soon. Um, 
I, I think we would be doing a disservice if we tried to, uh, like we're up against it a little bit. I think we'd be doing a disservice if we tried to do a full off-season outlook uh, in this episode. I think the next one that we do um, would likely be a better place to, to do a real full dive. Um, and especially at that point, I think we'll have a better idea of just how far out this team finishes from the postseason. So um, I think, were we working on a guest? I want to say we're, we're working on getting a guest for sometime in the next week or two. Yeah, is that is that safe to uh, to announce yeah, yeah. to the people? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, and, you know, maybe not just one. <laughs> We're trying to get two, so um, I'm, I'm expecting a uh, to hear back any any minute now uh, on at least one of them. So, but don't okay. have anything. I don't have anything to update just yet. Okay, so um, you know, keep your eyes peeled to uh, to crossingbroad.com to where Anthony is going to continue to break a lot of things down. I think I'm going to have to start making my pivot now to writing more about the Sixers and. I guess, to the Phillies and all the other miscellaneous sports in the city. I might have to start writing about the Philadelphia Fusion, who have a nicer arena planned than the Philadelphia Union do, and, and that's pretty sad. Um, but anyway, nobody cares. I know nobody cares about soccer. It's a hockey podcast. I get it. Um, I guess until uh, – I, I guess we'll be back well, – yeah, we'll come back next week, and we'll have, uh, I think, a deeper dive into the offseason and yep. some of the rumors that are swirling around. And I think the Eric Carlson thing is, is a debate that I want to have, and I think that's going to take – quite a bit of time so i want to know from people um you know let's do it this way you follow us on twitter and if you haven't already you should at ant san philly at joy on broad let us know um what path you think is the best way to go should the flyers turn this thing into a uh um, a search for another center for a 2C. Should they move Claude Giroux back to center and go out and acquire a couple of wingers? Do you think that they should get in on the Eric Carlson sweepstakes? What do you want to see? Send us your comments. Send us everything you've got, and uh, we'll address any kind of questions, comments, concerns, or off-season plans in the next episode. I think that'll be a lot of fun. We'll do an off- a full off-season episode. We'll, we'll run a bunch of hypotheticals, and I think it'll end up being a, a jolly good time. Yeah, and one thing um, uh, has nothing to do with the Flyers, but I did want to mention, Russ, you know, we have um, uh, a lot of really you know, good, loyal listeners out there. And uh, we had one that, that reached out to you and I um, uh, in the last few days. And uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't even um, uh, know the, the guy's uh, actual name because on Twitter, uh, it just goes by instigator. Um, <laughs> but uh, sent me a, a direct message and said, hey, Anthony, um, I'm running a charity deck hockey tournament for John Rainier. He's a veteran with a young daughter. He has a rare case of brain cancer. And the ball hockey community is like one big family, and it's rallying around him. Uh, It's a great story. Uh, There's an event on May 11th at Choice Arena in Washington Township, New Jersey. Uh, Any chance you guys can help us out with this? And I told them absolutely that, you know, we would mention it uh, here on the podcast. Um, So uh, they're basically what they're doing is they're having a tournament. Um, There's a GoFundMe page. uh, which Russ will put into the notes um, for people to go to link through, but they're running a deck hockey tournament uh, in New Jersey in May, uh, May 11th um, at choice sports arena, which is um, 150 Hollydale drive in Sewell. Um, and uh, it, it tourney is, uh, is more recreational um, in, 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 you know, in the in the way that they're doing it, it's not. They don't want any stacked deck hockey teams. It's more for people to come out um, uh, and and play and 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 do it for the support of John Rainier, um, a longtime deck hockey player uh, who's also a, a military veteran and a dad uh, who's going through this terrible thing right now. Um, 
so there, you know, any player that's played, you know, a level hockey in the last three years, uh, or has ever been on Team USA, is uh, is not allowed to play in the tournament. But um, uh, it's it's certainly going to be a fun event. Uh, teams can enter um, four hundred and forty dollars per team. Uh, uh, ten players, one goalie, so eleven eleven rosters, uh, eleven roster spots per player. Two ten minute periods, running clock, uh, three game guarantee, two preliminaries, and then play till you lose when you're seated. Um, yeah, there's all, all these other kinds of rules as well that that tie into the actual game. But you can guarantee your team three games for 440 bucks, which is not bad considering that's it's all going to charity. So it's uh, uh, it's kind of a fun thing. Uh, check them out. Um, they they have a Facebook event. Um, uh, called just search uh, uh, Puck I'll Cancer. That. I'll link that John in the description Rainier as well. We'll put we'll hockey. put the we'll yeah, put the Facebook but, event. But I'm saying if you're not if you're if, yeah. if they're too. Yeah, but if they're too lazy to, to go to the, the description, you can look up John Rinier, R-I-N-N-I-E-R, Deck Hockey Tournament um, on Facebook, and you can find the event. Uh, so anyway, uh, wanted to give them a shout-out and uh, you know, hope that people can support them for, for what will be a really good cause. It certainly is a good cause, Anthony. Well, I think that's uh, enough for today's episode. We will be back again next week. In the meantime, go check out the other shows on the Crossing Broad Podcast Network, including... Crossing Broadcast with myself and Kevin Kincaid, who you can find on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. We did a six for six podcast this week, so uh, make sure you go check that out. Of course, Anthony and Bob, who you can find on Twitter at BW Crossing Broad, they did a uh, an episode of Crossed Up to preview the Philly season, and I would expect that you might find a, uh, a new episode in your feed, if not at the end of this week, at the very beginning of next week to recap the Phillies' first season of the series against the Atlanta Braves which uh, should be some good stuff. Kevin, earlier this week, uh, released a new episode of It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, so make sure you go check that one out as well, uh, recapping the Union's first win of the season, a 3 nothing, a 3 nil win over the Columbus crew. And uh, next week, Crossing Broad FC will end its hiatus, and we will be bringing you myself and Phil Kaidel, who you can find on Twitter, at Phil Kaidel, K-E-I-D-E-L. It's not hard to spell. It's Phil Kaidel. We'll be uh, recapping some Champions League stuff and previewing uh, what is to come ahead, and of course, checking out the other European leagues. So, for Anthony at Ant San Philly, I'm Russ at Joy on Broad. Check the description of this episode for the links to the uh, the fundraiser and to the event that Anthony was talking about a little bit ago. And of course, uh, follow us on Twitter. Our our um, handles are in there. And uh, for Anthony, I'm Russ. We will talk to you again next week. <laughs>